Acea domnului fraților, bine ați venit la casa domnului. În vii să ridicăm cu toții în picioare și să începem serviciul din dimineața aceasta. Oh 
Bless you, church, and peace be with you. Um, it's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord today, and of course, life can be routine, and we're, we're used to hearing that. We're used to saying that from the pulpit. It's, blessed. it's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord, but um, you've never heard anyone complain about the routine of lunchtime. When lunchtime comes, we're hungry. No one's ever complained, oh, I'm so bored of eating at lunch. Of course. We love it, and so we should come with the same mindset when it's Sunday. In fact, we're so used to it. It's so ingrained in, in what we're doing every week, and we should be blessed, and we should look at it as a blessing that we're gathered here. We have this opportunity to have this many Christians gathered in one place, friends and family, a whole community here. We get to be gathered together and praise the Lord. Amen. Um, I want to read Psalm 89. Uh, starting from verse 5 through 8, which says, Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. We can see here that the psalmist is speaking of God's greatness, how awesome God is. In fact, to read verse 8 again, um, or verse 7, I believe, um, it says, God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. God is great. God is mighty. He is strong. He is all-powerful. But this psalm speaks, it uses a certain word in it, it says at the end of verse 8, Who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? And it begins with, Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. God is great, but he is also faithful to us. Um, numbers In the book of Numbers, it speaks about Balak and Balaam and um, how this you know, person was basically hired to go and curse the tribe of Jacob. And God puts words in his mouth to bring back to the king that hired him, essentially. And he says, and he says to him, you know, the Lord tells him to tell this man, is God like man that he makes a promise and he cannot keep it? God can keep all of his promises. Amen. First, it's the fact that he keeps his promises. And hasn't he kept his promises to us? But on the other hand, he is able to even keep his promises you know, we've made promises thinking we're going to keep them, but we fall short. God doesn't fall short. God is able to do anything. Um, specifically today, I want to praise God, and I want us to come in prayer praising his name, and not just thanking God for the things he's blessed us with, but more let's praise God for who he is, that he is so mighty, he is so capable, that he can do anything, but yet he decides to think of us and even when he's sitting in that council where we're all fear him, when we're resting at night, he's thinking of us. And with all his power, he decides to make us promises, and he keeps them. God is faithful to us. Let us praise his name. Let us go into prayer, praising God and thanking him for his goodness. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.
Așa cum avem obiceiul să facem rugăciuni pentru cauze și în această dimineață venim înaintea Domnului cu rugăciunile de cauze. Și chiar dacă este un obicei, este un obicei bun pentru că Domnul ascultă rugăciunea. De aceea toți oamenii, spune Psalmul 65, vor veni la El. Unde să ne ducem? Așa au spus și apostolii când... 70 s-au supărat pe Domnul, s-au potignit și au spus, noi nu mai vrem să mergem după Domnul, că parcă nu, nu ne satisface, ne-a încurcat. Și cei 12 au rămas izolați singuri și a spus, Domnul, nu vreți să vă duceți și voi? 
Și i-au spus, unde să ne ducem? Că tu ai cuvintele vieții veșnice și noi am ajuns la convingerea că tu ești Hristosul, Fiul Dumnezeului Celui Viu. Slăvit să fie Domnul! Și noi în dimineața aceasta am ajuns la convingerea că Iisus Hristos este Domnul și El este Salvatorul nostru, mărire Domnului. De aceea îi spunem toate stările noastre, venim cu toate necazurile noastre, este o provocare. Dumnezeu în psalmul 50 cu 15 spune, cheamă-mă în ziua necazului, eu te voi izbăvi, iar tu mă vei proslăvi. Dumnezeu ne provoacă să-L chemăm, să nu alergăm la alte surse. Avem și alternative, dar nu totdeauna sunt valabile. Când suntem bolnavi, de obicei mergem la medic și nu-i rău. Dar medicul nu poate rezolva toate problemele noastre. Cu problemele sufletești, degeaba mergi la medic, te încurci. Medicul suprem, Domnul Iisus Hristos, a spus, veniți la mine toți cei trudiți și împovorați și eu vă voi da o dihnă pentru suflete. Slăviți să fie Domnul! Amin. În dimineața aceasta, toți câți am venit aici, n-am venit la oameni, am venit să ne întâlnim cu Domnul Iisus. El ne-a spus că dacă doi sau trei se adună numele Lui, El este acolo. Și poate vom spune, nu-L vedem, dar Domnul este prin cuvântul Său și prin credință. Ne dă credința prin care noi putem să apelăm la El pentru că toate sunt ale Lui. Domnul Iisus ne-a spus că i s-a dat toată puterea în cer și pe pământ, slăviți să fie El. Noi credem aceasta chiar dacă vedem că brăjmașul caută să ne intimideze uneori, știm că Domnul Iisus are toată puterea pentru că l-a biruit. Și noi prin puterea Lui îl vom birui, slăviți să fie Domnul. De aceea în dimineața aceasta... Tare mi drag psalmul 34 în care psalmistul David are o pledoarie atât de frumoasă și care este valabilă și pentru noi un îndemn frumos. Voi binecuvânta pe Domnul în orice vreme, lauda lui va fi totdeauna în gura mea. Ce frumos e să lăudăm pe Domnul, să nu ne îngrijorăm și să lăudăm pe Domnul. Să ni se laude sufletul în Domnul, să, să asculte cei nenorociți și să se bucure. Înălțați pe Domnul împreună cu mine, să lăudăm cu toții numele Lui, amin. Și el face și o mărturisire, o declarație. I-am căutat pe Domnul și mi-a răspuns, m-a izbăvit din toate temerile mele. Sper că și nu avem temeri. Și mai ales în vremea aceasta, chiar dacă este libertate, sunt temeri destul de multe. Eu am căutat pe Domnul și mi-a răspuns, m-a izbăvit din toate temerile mele. Când îți întorci privirile spre El, te luminezi de bucurie și nu ți se umple fața de rușine. Când strigă un nenorocit, Domnul aude și îl scapă din toate necazurile lui, slăvit să fie Domnul. Și mai face Dumnezeu ceva. Dumnezeu are la dispoziție îngeri. Miliarde de îngeri are. Nu se pot, noi nu știm numărat, Dumnezeu îi știe. Dar spune aici, îngerul Domnului tăbărește în jurul celor ce se tem de el și scapă din primejdie. Gustați și vedeți ce bun este Domnul, ferice de omul care se încrede în el. În această dimineață vrem să gustăm, să vedem ce bun e Domnul. Cum se gustă? Cu sufletul, cu credința, cu încrederea în el. Spui, Doamne, te iubesc pentru că Tu m-ai creat, sunt al Tău. Tu m-ai răscumpărat prin jefa scumpa Domnului Iisus Hristos. Sunt copilul Tău, Duhul meu împreună cu Duhul Tău. Mărturisesc lucrul acesta și de aceea suntem aici ca să ne rugăm Domnului în Duh și în adevăr, să mărturisim că El este Creatorul nostru, este Dumnezeul nostru, este Salvatorul nostru. Și aș vrea să ne ridicăm în picioare și să venim cu cauzele noastre. Sora Lidia Hurduc 
ne anunță printr-un bilet că să ne rugăm pentru surorile Lenuța, Ficuța, Liviuța, Zelea, sunt bolnave. Să ne rugăm Domnului ca Domnul să se atingă de ele. Amin. Ne rugăm Domnului și pentru frații care au fost la spital și surorile care sunt în vârstă și au nevoie de atingerea Domnului. Fratele Todor Chira a fost la spital, este acasă, Domnul să se atingă de el, să-i dea vindecare de plină. La fel și sora Lucreția Ușbat, care a fost și ea la spital și a venit acasă, Domnul să se atingă de ea și să-i dea vindecare. Ne rugăm pentru fratele Moise, care este în lucrarea Domnului în Pennsylvania, de data aceasta, ca Domnul să-l călăuzească, să-l însoțească, să-i dea har. Ne rugăm pentru nepoțenul fratelui Moise, pentru Ilai, Câta, care are o eczemă și uh, se pare că doctorii nu au toate soluțiile, dar Dumnezeu le are, slăvit să fie Domnul. Ne rugăm și îl încredințăm. La fel și pe tânărul uh, Dunca, uh, Filip Dunca, care are, este bolnav diagnosticat cu cancer. Ne rugăm ca Domnul să se atingă de el. În mod special, noi suntem ambasadorii lui Dumnezeu în lumea aceasta. Ne rugăm pentru Ucraina ca Domnul să lase pacea acolo. Amin. Dumnezeu poate lucra la mintea oamenilor fără minte și le poate da minte. Să rugăm ca Dumnezeu să intervină, pentru că oamenii sunt răi și sunt influențați spre rău, dar Dumnezeu este Cel care călăuzește inima și viața omului, că inima împăratului e ca un râu pe care Dumnezeu îl, călău, îl îndreaptă unde vrea. Ne rugăm pentru proiectul nostru de construcție care avansează încet, dar sigur Dumnezeu binecuvintează biserica. Ne rugăm pentru, pentru copiii noștri care sunt la Sunday School, pentru tinerii noștri. Ne rugăm pentru familiile în vârstă care nu pot să vină la biserică și ne urmăresc pe internet. Să știți că ne rugăm pentru voi și vă încredințăm în mâna Domnului. Așa cum stăm cu toții, aducem și cauzele personale dacă sunt din partea noastră cauze personale, ridicați o mână, spuneți-ne wow, sunt multe mâini ridicate, Domnul să asculte fiecare cauză în parte Duhul Domnului să cerceteze biserica în această dimineață și părtășia Lui să ne învioreze și să ne facă să ne simțim ca în prezența Domnului plin de bucurie, așa cum să ne rugăm cu toții Domnului
Domnul Iisus și Duhul Sfânt. Îi mulțumim Lui Dumnezeu că suntem în această dimineață, în prezența sa, în locul acesta. Doresc să vă salut pe toți cu cuvântul sfânt din Roman 15 cu versetul 13. Dumnezeul nădejdii să vă umple de toată bucuria și pacea pe care o dă credința, pentru ca prin puterea Duhului Sfânt să fiți tari în nădejde. Doresc ca Dumnezeu să ne binecuvinteze cu aceste lucruri, să avem o nădejde vie în noi, să avem o credință de plină și să ne bucurăm în prezența Domnului în dimineața aceasta. Este un har din partea lui Dumnezeu căci El ne-a acordat acest drept, această oportunitate ca în dimineața aceasta să fim prezenți în casa Lui și să lăudăm numele Lui Cel Sfânt. Conform cuvântului lui Dumnezeu care spune ferice de cei ce locuiesc în casa ta, căci ei tot mai pot să te laude, binecuvântat să fie Dumnezeu. Aș dori ca dimineața aceasta să fie o dimineață plină de Harul lui Dumnezeu. Dumnezeu să-și reverse binecuvântarea sa din plin peste noi și toți împreună cu o inimă și un gând să-L lăudăm și să slăvim pe Dumnezeu și să-I fim credincioși Lui până la sfârșit. Dorim ca Dumnezeu în dimineața aceasta să binecuvinteze cântările care se vor cânta spre slava sa, să binecuvinteze rugăciunile care se vor mai înălța la tronul divin, să ne rugăm Lui Dumnezeu pentru cei care vor vesti cuvântul Domnului și astfel lucrăm. Lucrarea Domnului să fie binecuvântată din plin în mijlocul nostru și Domnul să ne cerceteze, să ne binecuvinteze. Să fim înaintea Domnului cu rugăciune în această dimineață mai departe pentru lucrarea lui Dumnezeu, pentru progresul Evangheliei, pentru ca Domnul să dea în dimineața aceasta un har deosebit poporului său și să cerceteze inimile noastre. Să ne rugăm cu toții Domnului. Doamne, Doamne. Vă rog să le luați locurile. 
Tuturor vă spunem în dimineața aceasta, bun venit în casa lui Dumnezeu. Doresc ca Domnul să vă binecuvinteze pentru alegerea care ați făcut-o de a fi în prezența Domnului. Domnul să vă cerceteze și să vă binecuvinteze pe fiecare. Salutăm toți care sunt musafini în mijlocul nostru în dimineața aceasta, pe toți care ne vizitați, poate de prima dată unii. Domnul să vă binecuvinteze și să vă dea o dimineață plină de Harul lui Dumnezeu. Printre musafirii care ne vizitează în această zi, salutăm în mod deosebit pe fratele pastor Iosif Luță, care este pastor în biserica Passion for Christ în Seattle, este însoțit de întreaga familie, sora Maria și cei șase copii, doi băieți și două fete, Domnul să-i binecuvinteze. Doresc să se ridice în picioare familia Luță, ca biserica să-i cunoască. Domnul să vă binecuvinteze și bine ați venit la noi. Lăudăm pe Domnul în continuare cu corul mixt al bisericii, apoi surorile Luță vor cânta spre slava Domnului, o cântare și apoi corul de tineret va înălța numele Domnului. Thank you. 
Good morning, church. I would speak Romanian, Pacha Domnului, but that's the second language to me. Um, and I might butcher something, so I would rather speak in English. It is an honor to be with you guys today. Um, my sister and I have this song on our hearts that we were singing last night, and um, we welcome you to sing with us and worship and just enter the presence of the Lord together.
Dragi frați și surori, această duminică, a treia duminică din lună, revine timpul ca să vă invit să ne închinem cu colecta. Aș vrea să vă dau puțin de raport în ceea ce s-a întâmplat și ce se va întâmpla în continuare. Așteptăm încă geamurile. Am, am vrut să ajutăm o altă persoană sau alte persoane care au cumpărat ceva geamuri împreună din România și i-am așteptat și pe ei ca să vină împreună și de aceea suntem puțin în delay, dar sperăm să vină să plece pe vapor. Apoi, săptămâna viitoare, un frate din Portland, tot din Portland, ne-a anunțat că ne va ajuta cu The Drain, cu canalizarea care se, se va conecta la City. Este plecat în Palm Springs și m-a anunțat că vrea să vină să ne ajute, să ajute biserica să-l putem instala, să săpăm, să, să o de mâine, de săptămâna viitoare, dacă sunteți available, dacă sunteți open, tineret și frați, vă așteptăm la biserică. Apoi, tubulatura s-a încheiat, s-a terminat, săptămâna trecută am terminat, mâine avem inspecția și sperăm să fie totul cu bine ca să faza aceasta să fie gata și apoi electrica, suntem în în uh, următoarea fază ca să conectăm, să conectăm uh, firele de la stradă, de la smăd. De aceea, în această dimineață, vrem să uh, chemăm grupul de închinare. Eu cred că Domnul nu ne-a rămas dator niciodată. Întotdeauna când am adus ceva înaintea Domnului, Domnul ne-a binecuvântat și eu cred că în această dimineață fiecare a fost binecuvântat. De aceea, dați Domnului tot ceea ce ați promis. Nu da mai mult dacă nu poți. Doar dă cât ai uh, socotit, cât ai, ai, ai vorbit cu soția, cu copiii, ca în această dimineață să ajuți. De aceea, această casă de rugăciune trebuie terminată. S-a început și de aceea, în această dimineață, haideți să cântăm și să dăm cu bucurie în această dimineață. Mulțumesc!
cel mai apropiat serviciu al bisericii noastre va fi după amiază la orele 6. Vă invităm cu respect să veniți în casa Domnului, să ne putem bucura împreună. Dumnezeu de fiecare dată are ceva pregătit pentru noi și este minunat ca să fim în casa Domnului. În cursul săptămânii care stă înaintea noastră, toate repetițiile și-au loc după cum ele sunt rânduite și în seara de miercuri, la ora 7, avem serviciu divin de peste săptămână. Apoi vineri seara la 7 p.m. Este, are loc cateheza, cursurile de pregătire pentru candidații care au cerut să încheie legământ cu Domnul prin botez. Ei sunt rugați să fie prezenți în casa Domnului la această pregătire, să aibă Biblia cu ei și un caiet pentru notițe, pentru a putea să se pregătească și să poată să învețe principiile mântuitoare, principiile de credință ale Domnului și tot ceea ce trebuie să învețe ei înainte de a încheia legământ cu Domnul. Apoi, duminica viitoare, serviciile sunt așa cum sunt cunoscute la ora 10 dimineața și la 6 după amiază. Pentru data de 30 mai este o zi de luni, Memorial Day, biserica noastră a hotărât să avem un picnic cu biserica, să fim cu toții la parc și să avem o zi de recreere foarte frumoasă, așa cum de multe ori am avut și... Vă rog să puneți în calendarul dumneavoastră și lucrul acesta, să participați la această zi de parc, pentru că este frumos să fim împreună, să avem părtășie și să ne relaxăm puțin. Apoi pe 19 iunie este anunțat botezul în apă. Domnul să binecuvinteze candidații de botez și toată lucrarea sa din locul acesta. Amin. În continuare, corul mixt al bisericii va lauda numele Domnului, și apoi corul de tineri va înălța de asemenea numele Domnului prin cântare.
Isus și adevăr vom sta Noi proclamăm neprihănirea ta Dreptatea ta, Dumnezeu Pentru Isus și adevăr vom sta Noi proclamăm neprihănirea ta Dreptatea ta, Lucrarea Domnului din dimineața aceasta continuă cu citirea unui capitol din Biblie, din Ieremia 37, capitol care va fi citit de fratele Daniel Barbaroșii în limba engleză. Noi facem această practică spirituală pentru că este necesară, ne-am angajat cu toții să citim Biblia într-un an, după o planificare, 
și cred că fiecare dintre noi se va strădui, se străduiește și se va mai strădui să ținem pasul cu planificarea care o avem, pentru că este foarte important ca să citim cuvântul lui Dumnezeu, să-l acumulăm în inimile noastre, pentru că Domnul ne va binecuvânta în mod deosebit, cunoscând și citind cuvântul Domnului. După citirea cuvântului lui Dumnezeu, în limba engleză, va urma worship, care va înălța numele Domnului și după aceea ne vom pregăti inimile să ascultăm Cuvântul Sfânt, care în această dimineață ne va fi vestit prin fratele păstor Iosif Luță, pentru care ne rugăm ca Domnul să-i dea cuvânt, să-i deschidă o ușă de cuvânt și să-i dea ungerea divină în vestirea Cuvântului Lui Dumnezeu. Vă invit respectuos să ridicați în picioare pentru citirea Cuvântului și punctele care vor mai urma. Pace Domnului Iisus, I'll be reading Jeremiah 37 in the ESV. Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah, reigned instead of Kaniah, the son of Jehoiakim, but neither he nor his servant nor the people of the land listened to the words of the Lord that he spoke through Jeremiah the prophet. King Zedekiah sent Jehuchel, the son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah, the priest, the son of Maaseah, to Jeremiah the prophet, saying, Please pray for us to the Lord our God. Now Jeremiah was still going in and out among the people, for he had not yet been put in prison. The army of Pharaoh had come out of, the Egypt, of Egypt, and when the Chaldeans, who were besieging Jerusalem, heard news about them, They withdrew from Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, Thus shall you say to the king of Judah, who sent you to me to inquire of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army that came to help you is about to return to Egypt, to its own land. And the Chaldeans shall come back and fight against the city. They shall capture it and burn it with fire. Thus says the Lord, Do not deceive yourself, saying, The Chaldeans will surely go away from us, for they will not go away. For even if you should defeat the whole army of Chaldeans who are fighting against you, and there remained of them only wounded men, every man in his tent, they would rise up and burn this city with fire. Now when the Chaldeans, Chaldean, army had withdrawn from Jerusalem at the approach of Pharaoh's army, Jeremiah set out from Jerusalem to go to the land of Benjamin to receive his portion from among the people. When he was at Benjamin Gate, a sentry named Erijah, the son of Shelemiah, son of Ananiah, seized Jeremiah the prophet, saying, You are deserting the Chaldeans." And Jeremiah said, It is a lie. I am not deserting the Chaldeans." But Erijah would not listen to him and seized Jeremiah and brought him to the officials. And the officials were enraged at Jeremiah, and they beat him and imprisoned him in the house of Jonathan the secretary, for it has been made a prison. When Jeremiah had come to the dungeon cells and remained there many days, King Zedekiah sent for him and received him. The king questioned him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? Jeremiah said, There is. Then he said, 
you shall be delivered into the hand of the king of the king of Babylon. Jeremiah also said to, to King Zedekiah, What wrong have I done to you or your servants for this people that you have put me in prison? Where are your prophets who pro- prophesied to you, saying, The king of Babylon will c- not come against you and against the land? Now hear, please, O my lord the king. Let my humble plea come before you, and do not send me back to the house of Jonathan, the secretary, lest I die there. So King Zedekiah gave orders, and they committed Jeremiah to the court of the guard. And a loaf of bread was given him daily from the baker street until all the bread of the city was gone. So Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard. Amen.
Glory to the Lord Jesus. Amen. He is wonderful. He is great. He deserves to receive our praises. He deserves to receive our worship this morning. Hallelujah. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, Jesus deserves to receive my worship. Jesus deserves to receive my worship. Hallelujah. He's the only one who deserves to be glorified. 
He's the only one who deserves to be praised, hallelujah, because he came to save the world he loves. And this morning he wants to tell you that you are loved by Jesus. Jesus Christ came into this world that he stretched out his hands on that cross. And he was beaten and crucified because he loved you so much. And he would not abandon you. He would not give up on you, even when it was hard. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Glory to the Lord Jesus. I want to bring you greetings from Passion for Christ Church from Seattle, Washington. I'm here this morning together with my family, my wife, Maria, all the way in the back. Uh, next to her is her sister. She lives in Sacramento. Uh, you guys probably should uh, get in touch and make sure that uh, they come to this church. Amen. Um, my kids are here, uh, six of them. They are all wonderful. God blessed us with six kids, four girls, two boys, uh, grace, mercy, faith, joy. And then we have Johnny and Seth. And uh, I believe that next time we'll come to this church, my son Seth will be preaching and I'll be listening. Uh, he has a calling from the Lord to preach the gospel. And it's, it's getting there. It's getting started. And I pray that God will raise a young generation of preachers, evangelists, people that will share the gospel, people that will be bold and courageous, people that will not be ashamed. They will not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ because in it is the power to save for whoever believes. Hallelujah. And I believe that you this morning here are all believers. Amen. Amen. Greetings from uh, my, my friend and co-pastor, Brother Christy Popescu, who is home right now serving. Uh, may God bless him and the church up there. They all send greetings to you guys. And our greeting, our uh, salute is from Luke chapter 10, verse 27. This is the verse that motivates us. This is the verse that keeps us going up there in the Northwest. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Hallelujah. Do you love yourselves? You're not one of those people that have problems loving themselves. The Bible assumes that we all love ourselves, right? Yes, we are so much in love with ourselves. Let's show that to our neighbors as well. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord Jesus. I'm looking for a, a clock. I want to see how much time I have. Not that I care. I know when you guys had enough, you'll leave, right? And I'll not be preaching to the chairs, I promise you that much. Uh, I'll be speaking on a subject that I believe necessary and very important for us as Christians. Um, we all have a conscience, right? Everybody over here has a conscience. I like to talk to you guys. I, this is going to be a two-way uh, preaching here. Do you guys all have a conscience? Yes. yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you all have peace with your conscience? Yes. yes. All the time, always. Is your conscience ever protesting? Is your conscience ever upset with you? Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Uh, let me read a verse from Psalm 32 verse 9. Don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bead and a bridle, or it will not stay near you. Don't be like a horse who does not have a conscience, right? He has to be guided 
by force. He has to be told what to do. He has to be pushed in the way that he needs to be going. We are not like those because God gave us a gift. You know, your conscience is a gift from God. Do you believe that? It's a gift from God. It's designed by God to help you, to guide you, to teach you, to keep you on the narrow path. If you tell a lie, is your conscience happy? No, it's not. Somebody said that if you tell a lie, it becomes part of your future. If you say the truth, it will become part of your past. If you tell a lie, it will live with you until it gets resolved. You'll have to deal with it later, right? Because your conscience, if it's healthy, it will not give you peace. It will not give you peace. A guilty conscience needs no accuser. When your conscience is guilty, there's nobody else that needs to accuse you. Your conscience will do it itself. Your conscience will accuse you. Your conscience is the voice of the soul. If you, are you curious? Do you want to know what your soul is telling you? Do you ever want to speak to your soul? Listen to your conscience. Your conscience, if it's healthy, and I keep saying if it's healthy because it can be unhealthy and we'll see about it. If you have a healthy conscience, it will accuse you. It will speak to you. Amen? Hallelujah. It's very easy to compromise your conscience. It is very easy to compromise your conscience. It is very important to keep your conscience pure. It is very important to be at peace with your conscience. Amen? We are a generation. We are a people that like to sacrifice things for comfort, right? Do you guys enjoy comfort? Do you enjoy it as much as I do? I know you do. I know you do because I've seen your homes, I've seen your cars. Yes, you enjoy comfort. You enjoy to be comfortable. You enjoy convenience. We like things to be easy for us. But let's not do it at the expense of damaging our conscience. Let's not do it at this expense because it's going to be too pricey. Too pricey. This generation believes that everything is okay as long as it makes me feel good. Are you one of those? Are you one of those? Everything is okay if it makes me feel good, right? No, it's not. No, not everything is okay. Christians had to suffer for their faith. Christians had to suffer for their faith at the expense of their convenience and comfort. Many Christians had to choose between prison and liberty. You have not had to do that yet. Many people, many Christians had to choose between the well-being of their families or keeping their conscience pure. Even today, there's many Christians in different countries. We hear stories of people in China, in other countries where the church is being persecuted. They have to fight 
for their faith. They have to suffer to keep their conscience pure. I remember stories from Romania. Our parents have told us, some of you over here know those things. You had to pay a price to keep a pure conscience, right? Fraților din România care a trăit în timpul comunismului, a trebuit să plătiți un preț ca să păstrați o conștiință curată. Adevărat? Adevărat? Are you guys all here? Is it the language? Is it the... It's, it's true. It's true. We had to pay a price to keep a pure conscience. You would not compromise. You would not lie because you knew that was, that was against God. You would sin against God, not against the Communist Party, not against people in the first place, but against God. Our conscience is what gives us the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. The ability to distinguish between right and wrong. It appears that man was not created with a conscience from the beginning. You guys know the story of creation, right? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. How beautiful it was. Nothing was wrong. There was no sin but one thing. One thing only. The only thing they had to do is to obey God, not to touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And everything was perfect. But God knew that man will disobey. God knew that man will disobey and he prepared a conscience to give man in the moment that he will sin and disobey God. Gave man a, a, a conscience to, to, to be able to live a holy life, to be able to have something, somebody to guide him. There is a story in the New Testament in John chapter 8. A woman was caught in sin. And people gathered around her to accuse her. And they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what do you say? You are the teacher. You know all those things. What should we do to this woman? She was caught in sin. She needs to be killed. She needs to be stoned. But Jesus kept silent. And he was writing with his finger on the sand. And at one moment he says, whoever has no sin, throw the first stone. Pick up a stone and throw if you are guiltless. If your conscience allows you, if your conscience allows you, pick up the stone. Verse 9, those who heard it, being convicted, being convicted by their conscience. What did they do? They were convicted by their conscience and they all dropped the stones and walked away. They dropped the stones and walked away. Before the fall, God was the only one who knew the good and bad, the good and evil. But man received a conscience, received a conscience that understands good and bad. Do you guys understand good and bad? Do little kids know when they do something wrong? Even though when they are born, they don't have a sophisticated conscience. They don't really understand everything, but just watch. They know when they do something wrong. 
their conscience is active. Of course, it gets better and better over time, especially if it's trained by the word of God. Our conscience needs to be trained by the word of God. How many senses do we have? Young people, how many senses do we have? Five senses? Which one of those? You are hearing right now, right? You hear what I'm saying? You have ears, right? You have eyes. I have eyes. I see you. I don't know if you see me, but I see you, right? I, it's a sense. I receive information through my eyes. I receive information every time I eat something. I taste, right? I have a tongue that I can taste food with. Thank God for it, right? I have a nose that I can smell. Sometimes I wish I couldn't, but I can. It's a sense that God gave us. I got skin that I can touch and I can feel, right? I have all those senses that help me interact with my environment, help me interact with the things around me. But how about when it comes to the spiritual realm? How do we get access into the spiritual realm for the ability to sense good and bad? God gave us a sixth sense, and that's a conscience. So there's no more five, six from now on. All right, guys? God bless you. What happens if your nose is unhealthy? It's COVID, right? COVID. Uh, one of the symptoms was losing your sense of smell, right? So you had a nose, but it was not healthy. It could not smell. You had a tongue. You couldn't te test, right? It, you ate food and it didn't taste like anything, right? What happens if your eyes are unhealthy, right? You can't see. You can't hear if your ears are not healthy. How about your conscience? If your conscience is not healthy, how can you sense the good and the bad? How can you sense the good and the evil if your conscience is not healthy? And let me tell you that there's a lot of people who live with a very unhealthy conscience. A conscience that's been desynthesized. It doesn't sense anymore. It doesn't feel anymore. Sin injures our conscience. Just like if you get in an accident and you get a broken nose or something happens and you can't sense anymore. What causes harm to your conscience is sin. Remember the story of Peter? Jesus told Peter that you will deny me three times. And Peter said, no, I'll never do that, Lord Jesus. I, I am willing to go with you and to the grave. I will die for you before I deny you. And the time comes, under pressure, Peter gives in. And he denies Christ. He denies the Lord Jesus. And what happens? His conscience did not stay quiet. His conscience was protesting. His conscience was yelling out loud. And it didn't give him peace until he made peace with the Lord Jesus. Jesus had to come to him later on and say, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. His conscience was protesting. His conscience was injured. 
and it needed healing. And praise God because the Lord Jesus is so good that he gives us the opportunity to heal our consciences. For if our hearts condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Hallelujah. We have confidence towards God. What's the right thing to do when your conscience is protesting? What's the right thing to do? Silence it? Tell it to be quiet? Would that be maybe the right thing to do? It bothers us, right? It yells in our ears, in our hearts, in our minds. No. It's not good. It's not healthy to silence your conscience. What to do then? We got to repent. We got to repent just like Peter did. Let's repent. Let's repent and resolve the issue before it gets too late. Don't try to silence your conscience. Because it's possible. You can do it. It will be possible for you to silence your conscience. You know what happens the first time you sin? What happens the first time you do something wrong? Your conscience is protesting, just like Peter's. It yells in your ears, and it doesn't give you peace. But what happens if you don't repent, and you do it again? The second time, the conscience Yells again, but maybe not as loud. The conscience is there, it's active, but maybe doesn't yell as loud as it did before. And you silence it. And you just put it there and say, hey, just be quiet. You bother me too much. And you sin again. And your conscience is falling asleep. Your conscience is being injured over and over and over that it does not sense anymore. You just destroyed your conscience. We don't do that, amen? You guys don't want to do that, do you? We want to keep a clean, pure conscience. Apostle Paul speaks about people who have a destroyed conscience. He calls them people that have a debased mind in, chapter, in Romans chapter 1. We call those people sociopaths, right? We call those people... Uh, People that don't sense the good and the bad anymore. It develops spiritual calluses. You know, I see a guitar over here. How many people play the guitar over here? Anybody play the guitar over here? Yeah, right there. Can I see your fingers? Come over here. Can I see your fingers? Which hand do you press on the chord? This one. This one. Mm. You're a beginner. You don't play enough. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. School. That's great. That's great. What am I trying to say? When you play guitar, you press with your fingers on the chords. When you play it for the first time, it hurts, right? It's you, you're about to give up. It hurts so bad. You're about to give up. Right, Faith, right there? I know that. I've seen her playing guitar. You know, the pain is real. But you press on. You keep doing it. And in this case, it's a good thing because you're trying to obtain something positive, right? And you press on and you do it again and again, and it starts hurting less and less and less. And why? Because the skin develops calluses. The skin is hardening. 
The skin doesn't sense pain anymore, and you can play the guitar, and it's desirable because you want that result, right? But the problem is that the same thing happens with your conscience. If you injure your conscience over and over and over again, your conscience doesn't sense pain anymore, doesn't talk to you anymore. It developed calluses. Let's not go there. Amen? I have a Bible verse that supports what I just said. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines and demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience steered with a hot iron, catarized. What happens when you get burned? How many of you got burned in your life? Like, no, with fire, right there. Okay, what happens? You develop a scar tissue. A scar tissue that doesn't feel anymore. It doesn't even grow hair. It doesn't, it's there just to cover the wound, but it does not feel anymore. That's what happens to our consciences if we injure our consciences over again and we do not solve the problem. We lose the ability to sense anything anymore. May God help us. There's also another type of injury that we can do to our conscience. And I call this a defiled conscience. A defiled conscience. A conscience that's not pure. A conscience that has not been trained by the word of God. A conscience that's defiled. Titus chapter 1 verse 15, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. A defiled mind, it's no better than a mind that's been desensitized. A a defiled mind, we read this in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20, is people who call the good bad and the bad good. Oh, to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There are people that have a very highly sensitive conscience, very sensitive conscience. The problem is that this conscience is defiled. You know, those are people who call abortion, who call for abortion, and their conscience doesn't bother them. But the same people are against capital punishment. They're against killing criminals, but they are okay with killing babies. Oh, their conscience is very sensitive. Oh, they feel for the criminals. They think that they should live, but the innocent babies should die. Very hypersensitive conscience, but it's defiled. I remember a story from years ago, a few years ago, a family in Oregon refused to provide services to some people. You guys all know the story. And people got very sensitive. How can you not do that? But at the same time, they were willing to destroy, to ruin this family's life. 
they wanted to ruin this family's life. What type of a conscience is that? How can you ruin a family's life? How can you do that? You see what I'm trying to say? It is our responsibility to manage our conscience. You are responsible to manage your conscience. I am responsible to manage my conscience. We can put a mask and look good when we come to church on Sunday morning, right? You guys all look good over here this morning. You are dressed up nicely. You have a happy face. You are happy to be here. And I can be deceived, right? I can be deceived. I can deceive you as well. Our conscience is our responsibility. My conscience is my responsibility. Your conscience is your responsibility. Remember Joseph. Joseph, he was far away from his father. He was far away from his family, far away from a Bible, far away from a youth group, from a church. He was in Egypt all by himself. But he had a pure conscience. Because when he was faced with sin, he didn't say, well, I can see now because my parents are not around. I can see now because my pastor doesn't see me or my friends. I'm far away thousands of miles from my family. I can do whatever I want. No, 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 Joseph, what did he say? I will not sin against God. I will not sin against God. He had a clean conscience. He had a clean conscience. Because if you don't keep your conscience clean and pure, you will lose your faith. You will lose your salvation. We read of this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 to 19. This I charge, I commit to you, son Timothy, Paul is speaking, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good fight, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning their faith have suffered shipwreck, have suffered shipwreck if they don't kept their conscience clean. If you do not keep your conscience clean, you will too suffer shipwreck. We have to be very serious with our conscience to keep it healthy. God has written his laws in our hearts. I don't really have to preach to you, and the pastors here don't really have to preach to you because God already put his laws in your heart. We read in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God is using our conscience to guide us into our Christian life. He is using our conscience to talk to us and tell us what's good and what's bad. Oh, there's so many Bible verses. I think I'm going to have to move a little faster. We have to maintain a pure conscience. Amen? Maintain a pure conscience. Beloved, John chapter 3, verse 21, if our hearts does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. We have confidence toward God. Why is it important to have a pure conscience? It's important because we want to have confidence before God. How can I come before God in my prayers if I have things in my life that are secrets, are hidden, dark skeletons in our closets? 
Oh, if your conscience is not pure, you will not have confidence with God. And guess what the enemy is trying to do? Guess what the enemy is trying to do? He wants to steal your confidence. He wants you to be afraid to come before God. He wants to block the communication between you and God. The sins put a wall of separation between us and God. Let's not allow this to happen. Let's not give the enemy the pleasure to separate us from God, that we would lose our confidence to come before God. Also, if your conscience is not pure and clean, you don't even have confidence before man. You don't even have confidence before man. Confidence before man is opposite of the fear of man. Why are you afraid of man? You are afraid of man when you don't have a clean conscience. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. If you have a guilty conscience, you will have no confidence before man. You will be silenced. You will be afraid of man. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1, the wicked flees when no one pursues, but the righteous is bold like a lion. Have you guys drove on the freeway? And on the side of the road, you see a police car. The policeman maybe is having his lunch, or even maybe that car is empty. It's there just to scare people off so they don't speed, right? But you have been speeding. You're going 25 miles over the speed limit. You pass by this police car, right? You don't see what's going on inside the car, but you are terrified. You look in the mirrors. Is he coming after me? Is he coming after me? Is he coming after me? Why? Because you are guilty. You are guilty. The policeman, he's having his lunch. He doesn't care. Well, the car is empty. There's no guy in the car, but you are looking in the mirrors. The wicked, the wicked flees when no one pursues. Yes, that happens. That happens to us. It's our conscience that tells us that we've done something wrong. Paul worked very hard to keep his conscience clean and pure before God and before man. We read of this in Acts chapter 24, verse 16. This being so myself, always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and man. Always strive to have a pure conscience before God and before man. We got to have a pure conscience in order to have and to maintain spiritual authority. Spiritual authority. Remember the sons of Sheba. The sons of Sheba. They saw something that was happening in the church at the time. They saw Paul casting out demons. They saw Paul praying for the sick and they would get healed. They saw Paul doing all those miracles. And they come and say, well, why can't we do it? What's the difference between us and Paul? We can do the same thing that he is doing. And they tried it. And they said to the demons, come out. And the demons said, Jesus, we know. Paul, we recognize. But who are you? Who are you to command to us? We don't know you. In other words, you have no spiritual authority. There's no reason for me to listen to you. 
to have a pure conscience. It's necessary if you want to maintain confidence before God and if you want to maintain spiritual authority. Amen? Do you guys want to have prayers that the demons will flee? Do you want to have the hell being terrified when you open your mouth? Maintain a pure conscience. Amen? There's also another condition. Some people have a weak conscience. Some people have a weak conscience. We are all responsible before God, but we also have to keep an account and to be considerate to one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, But when you thus sin against the brother and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. I want everybody to pay attention. Okay, I'm about to say something that you might misunderstand. Your conscience can be wrong, but yet you can be guilty. Your conscience can be wrong, but yet you can be guilty. You can do something that does not offend God, but your conscience tells you that it's wrong. And it's sin. It doesn't offend God, but you're doing it, it's sin. And why? Why is it? Because you are convinced in your heart. Your conscience tells you that what you're doing is wrong. Yet, it's not offensive to God. But you know and you believe with your heart that's offensive to God. And you do it anyway. You do it anyway. With other words, if that was offensive to God, you have done it. Right? And you believe in your heart that whatever you're doing is offending God, and you're doing it anyway. It's sin. It's sin. That's the reason it's never safe to go over your conscience. It's never okay to step over your conscience. Your conscience can be trained by the word of God. Your, God, your conscience can be trained and taught by the word of God. But unless that happens, don't step over your conscience. For that reason, you have to respect others in the body of Christ who have a conscience that's maybe weaker than yours. Maybe they get offended with things that you do not. But the Bible is teaching us to be considerate and to not cause somebody else to sin. Amen? Now, there's a difference. Some people get offended, but they don't fall from faith. I consider those to be the strong people. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people who lose their salvation because of your liberty in Christ. Is it clear? No? Yes? All right. If it's not clear, come to me at the end. How do you know if your conscience is healthy? Do you guys want to know if your conscience is healthy? Yes. Okay. We'll move then. I'll take a few more minutes. Is it okay? All right. I'm coming back to Joseph in the Old Testament, but this time I'm coming to his brothers. Remember when his brothers came to Egypt and Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize Joseph. And they end up in prison 
One of them ended up in prison. The other ones were sent back home. What did they say? All this is happening to us because what we have done to our brother Joseph. A low-grade condemnation. When something happens to you, you get a speeding ticket or you get in a car crash or something happens to you, and something comes to your mind and you say, maybe this is happening to me because I've done this and this and that. Your conscience has been suppressed, but it's speaking to you. It's speaking to you. If that happens, you know that you have to attend to your conscience. You don't leave it there. You attend to your conscience. You treat your conscience. You resolve the problems. You fix what's causing it to hurt. Have you experienced the joy of salvation? Are you joyful? Are you guys joyful? Can you praise God with all your heart? Can you come with liberty in his presence and say, Lord Jesus, I love you so much. I praise you day and night. Are you joyful? Is the joy of salvation in your heart? If it's not, check your conscience. Check your conscience. Because you probably lost the joy of your salvation. And the conscience is speaking to you. Psalm 51 verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. When our conscience is unsettled, we experience the loss of joy. Fearfulness or paranoia. Remember the story from the New Testament. It's uh, Matthew chapter 14. Herod kills John the Baptist. And then Sometime later, Jesus comes and performs miracles. What did Herod said? How did he react to Jesus coming to perform miracles? He was paranoid. He thought that John the Baptist was raised from the dead. His conscience was protesting. Another thing that we do, and it's a sign that our Conscience needs attention is when we are trying to hide from the light. We don't desire to come to church anymore. We don't desire to go to prayer meetings. We don't desire the fellowship of the family of Christ. We are trying to hide from the light. Remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? When they sinned before God, they sinned against God. What did they do? They were hiding. They were hiding. If you are hiding, if you are not coming to church, if you don't come into the presence of God, but you prefer other things, your conscience is in need of attention. You need to provide some tender care to your conscience. Amen? Amen. I'm going to skip a few things. One thing I want to mention, you can also be affected physically. Your health can suffer as well. If your health suffers, check with your conscience. We read in Psalm 32, verse 3, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. And verse 4, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Your physical health can be affected if your conscience is unhealthy. 
if your conscience needs attention. How do you correct your conscience? We've seen all the negatives, right? How do we fix it? Because we do have problems, right? How do we fix our conscience? First, we fix our conscience by coming to the blood of Jesus Christ. If your conscience is defiled, if your conscience is not trained by the word of God, the answer is the blood of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. Hallelujah. Cleanse your conscience. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, let us draw near with the true heart, with full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We must make an application of the merit of Christ to obtain a clean conscience. The blood of Jesus can wash your sins away. The blood of Jesus can purify your conscience. His merits. What you have to do is to reach for it. Hallelujah. We repent. To have a pure conscience, we got to repent. If we confess our sins, Apostle John tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who covers, Proverbs 28, verse 13, who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them, he will have mercy. You want the mercy of God? You want to receive the mercy of God? Confess your sins. Confess your sins. Come clean before God. Restitution as well. When you repent, one of the signs that you are a repentant person is that you try to make up for, for what you caused harm. If you caused harm to your neighbor, you're going to go and do whatever you can to restitute. Remember the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has done this. He promised to Jesus after he was saved that he will give back to those from whom he took away in order to keep a clean conscience we have to prepare to we have to be prepared to suffer we have to be prepared to suffer before you step over your conscience before you injure your conscience you should say this i would rather die before i step or i trample over my conscience you should keep your conscience pure you should keep your conscience clean and that will help you in your walk with the Lord. Be ready to pay a price. Be ready to suffer. Be ready to, whatever, to do whatever it takes before you injure your conscience. Am cântat aici la închinare pentru Isus și în adevăr vom sta. Pentru Isus și în adevăr vom sta. Haideți să stăm în adevăr pentru Isus, păstrând o conștiință curată curățită prin sângele Lui Iisus Hristos, trenuită prin cuvântul Lui Dumnezeu, care curăță, care spală și care dă speranță. May God bless you. Amen. Vă invit respectos să vă ridicați în picioare și vom veni cu toți înaintea Domnului într-o rugăciune de mulțumire. Să nu uităm cuvântul Domnului care ne-a fost vestit, un verset din 1 Timotei, capitolul 1, versetul 5. Ținta poruncii este dragostea care vine dintr-o inimă curată, dintr-un cuget bun și dintr-o credință neprefăcută. Domnul să ne dea acest cuget bun și Domnul să ne dea și cugetul curat 
și să păstrez credința și un cuget curat pe care unii l-au pierdut și au căzut din credință. Domnul se ne dea de asemenea și un cuget luminat de Duhul Sfânt, cum spune Apostolul Pavel în Romani 9 cu versetul 1. Spun adevărul în Hristos, nu mint. Cugetul meu luminat de Duhul Sfânt îmi este martor, că simt o mare întristare și am o durere necurmată în inimă, căci aproape să doresc să fiu eu însumi anatema despărțit de Hristos pentru frații mei, rudele mele trupești. Amin. Aș vrea ca Domnul să ne dea acest gen de cuget, un cuget bun, un cuget curat, un cuget luminat de Duhul Sfânt. O conștiință care să fie curată și care să ne conducă la mântuire toată viața noastră. Să ne rugăm lui Dumnezeu și să-i mulțumim pentru cuvântul său din această dimineață, pentru faptul că Domnul ne conștientizează de tot ceea ce avem noi nevoie pentru viața noastră de credință. Să venim cu toți înaintea Domnului în rugăciune.